Welcome to Dive In With Seaside, where we rethink the topic of environmentalism one conversation at a time. I'm Lane, and I'm a junior at Ohio University, and here at Seaside, I'm the project manager of content generation on the marketing team. I'm Nikita, and I'm currently a high school senior in Dallas, Texas, and I'm a marketing and public relations intern, and we're going to be your co-hosts. So dive in with us and don't miss this opportunity to learn more about what it means to create change. This week, we have with us Seaside Sustainability Marine Science and Education Team, or the MSME team. So dive in with us and don't miss this opportunity to learn more about what it means to create change in this episode. Hi, Catherine and Maria. How are you guys? Doing well. How are you, Lane? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys' summers going? Really well. It's been really good weather where I'm at in Portland recently, so I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. What about you, Maria? Not a fan of the heat, personally, but other than that, it's been good. It's been a good summer. Good, good. Yeah, it's definitely getting to that point where I'm getting a little bit ready for fall weather. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. (laughs) So yeah, today joining us, we have Catherine and Maria, who are interns on the MSME team. And they're going to speak with us about what the MSME team entails and what new projects they have in store. We're so excited to talk to you. But before that, we like to start our podcast out with the word of the day. And this episode is no different. We're just going to stay the course and keep going like usual. Today's word is confluence. Generally speaking, it refers to a meeting place or a gathering point where uh, two or more things can come together. It's actually a really great way to describe the MSNE team as well, because there's literally a bridge in the name acting as a confluence between the marine science and education aspects of what the team does. To me, it's really, really fascinating, and hopefully we'll get to hear some more about the synthesis of these two things from Catherine and Maria. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Nikita, for finding the word of the week and diving into it. (laughs) So with that, we can go ahead and jump into the questions. So my first question for you guys is Seaside Sustainability has quite a few teams. And as we've learned through this podcast, there's a lot of different things that all these teams do. So what is the specific role of the MSNE team within our organization? I can take that one and start. And then Maria, if you have anything you want to contribute at the end. So marine science and education team, we have a couple different roles at Seaside, like a lot of other teams. The first role that we do on MSNE is we're a research hub for the organization. Other teams on Seaside can come to us asking for us to do research. We can then find resources for them to use and turn that information back over to them so they can complete their project. So let's say marketing wanted to do a series of Instagram posts on coral bleaching, for example, just to pick a topic. They could then come to us on MSNE and say, hey, we're gonna do this series of Instagram posts on coral bleaching. We wanna know like what are the major problems associated with coral bleaching, where huge areas of interest are with coral bleaching and things people can do to help from their own home. We can then compile all that research for them for those three categories and then turn that back over to marketing so they could create those posts. And Maria, do you want to talk about the second thing we do on MSNE? So the second thing that MSNE is really big on is uh, outreach. I mean, MSNE's research is probably its biggest thing, as Catherine was saying. And then we also make our own projects to try to educate the public. 
and give people resources so they can access and learn about these different topics and these different issues in their own time, even without a background in environmental science or anything related to that, so chemistry, biology. We want to give people anything possible so that these things can be topics that can be discussed by anyone who wants to get into them. But outreach and education is MSNE's other really big goal. That's awesome. That sounds like such an amazing opportunity for people who study all sorts of different things. It sounds like being an intern on this team, it's probably really has some really great experience for a lot of different careers. So that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Does there tend to be a good amount of collaboration between the two purposes that the team serves? so especially going from research into us creating our own educational opportunities it's definitely happened on MSNE where we'll be doing research for a different project for another team and that will spark a project of our own that we can then use that same ideas to create an educational resource for people in the Cape Ann area that they can then use even if the specific information doesn't translate from research to educational resources a lot of times the same skill sets will translate. So even if we're doing, to go back to that fake Instagram post, even if we're doing coral bleaching research for marketing and we're working on a project in MSNE that's talking about compost to talk about a project that we are currently wrapping up, even though the information for those two projects aren't really the same, you're still gonna be using the same skills of research, application, breaking down information the sometimes complex information into bits that anyone can understand. Wow. I feel like the skills to be able to do that and to make such like complex information into like a digestible form, it's probably really interesting to do on a daily basis and it requires a really high level of skill set. So that's really impressive. Maria, how does the team develop materials knowing that it could be used for any different age group? And like, are there any certain factors that are taken into consideration since the resources are aiming for like a wider target audience? From my experience, I think it really depends uh, on the project. So if we're doing something internal, we're doing research for another seaside team, it doesn't necessarily mean we have to simplify things the way we would for uh, an educational project of our own because the seaside team can take that information and do what they want with it so if we were giving something to marketing that's a different story maybe we might have to give them something in simplistic terms rather than getting into the complex technical jargon that comes with a lot of these scientific topics and discussions but if say green scholars wanted something from us they might just take the raw information so to speak and use that for a different project they're working on Um, if we're doing our own educational thing we definitely take into account where we're getting our sources from, where we're getting our information from. But it's kind of like what we were talking about, where our goal is to take something complicated from a scientific perspective and make it accessible for everybody, regardless of the background knowledge you might need to write it up. So my example is always like, if you're reading like an academic paper, awful, they're just awful. They use such technical jargon that they can be almost incomprehensible to the average layperson. But with MSNE, our big goal is to take that and put it into a, a form that anyone can access, anyone can read it and understand. Um, 
And it's interesting because that's actually one of the questions I got asked for my interview to be on the MSNE team is like, what is your experience with taking this sort of information and putting it into an explanation that an, the average person can understand? I always like that MSNE, that's a goal of it from the beginning. That's something they want in their interns who could, they have experience doing this. And I think you see a lot of it with something like our blog post every month. The MS interns do webinars and then they take the information from that webinar and write a blog post. I think that's probably one of our best examples of, of everybody taking complicated scientific terms, complicated scientific concepts and tone, not toning it down so much, but reformatting it in a way that's inherently more understandable because anyone who looks on Seaside's website can read these blogs and get this information that we've been taking from the webinars. So it's like I said, it sort of depends on the project, but I think we don't necessarily have to worry about finding sources that are more accessible because we make it more accessible. Hmm. Going back to the webinars that you mentioned, did you say that the MSNE team hosts webinars or you attend webinars? We attend them every month. One of the things that I don't know if this is specific for COVID or if it was something that MSE has done longer but they wanted to make sure we were still engaging with the scientific community, that CSI was still engaging with the scientific community. So what we attend a bunch of webinars every month. Everybody's not assigned when you pick one, so. Okay, that's such a great way to stay involved with the scientific community, like you said. I just found that to be really interesting. And I really like how you mentioned during your interview process, they asked you what your prior experience was, because I feel like that just shows that you guys know what you're doing. So that's awesome. Those were my set of questions. I'll go ahead and jump in here. So kind of touching on the webinar point that you brought up earlier, you had also mentioned how no matter what kind of educational background you come from, you guys focus on a lot of that, that it should be accessible even if you're not an environmental science major. So do your webinars also reflect that? Are they coming from a wide variety? It's not necessarily just hard and straight, something that a STEM major needs to grasp or something coming from a a more open point of view, if that makes sense. Take that one. I would say yes. The range of webinars that we attend goes from very academic to anyone can hop on that Zoom call or that Google Meet or watch that YouTube video and be able to understand it. For example, last month I was working on a blog post and the webinar that I went to, how marine chemists take chemical measurements from the ocean. So pH, salinity, PPM of carbon and different elements, and then compile that into an international database and how that international database can then be used as a resource for academic papers and for international climate policy. That was a very dense webinar to say the least. So for that one, probably not everyone could attend. I actually watched it with my mother. My mother is an elementary school teacher. I am a biochemistry major, so two very different backgrounds. I turned to her at the end and I went, how much of that did you understand? And she said, I got the beginning where they talked about what they were going to do, and I got the end where they talked about what they did. Everything in the middle was no. But then this month, I went to a webinar that was like art and how can we use art in driving change? And so it wasn't very technical. It was just this artist designer talking about how she takes this information and uses that to inspire her art. And she just uses her passions of creativity to help inspire others to take action. 
So not so much a technical thing, but just as important. Right, I, I think it is just as important. And I think it's just as important, like Maria was saying earlier, for it there to be a, an easier way to state things, an easier way for those who don't come from technical backgrounds to have accessibility. Because at the end of the day, if you want to uh, sort of achieve change in the environmental movement, it shouldn't require you uh, a STEM degree in order to do that. Oftentimes, I think it might be difficult if you're at that level of knowledge to write something simpler from something complicated than to come up with that complicated thing in the first place. I think it's really cool the work you guys are doing. Going off of that, what are some of the current projects that you guys are currently working on? Generally, Seaside, completely virtual, but at the same time, has the pandemic affected the rollout of any of the projects you have ongoing? I can talk about one of our projects, and this one hasn't so much been affected by the pandemic, if only because the work was entirely virtual and it's intended to be virtually accessible. So it wasn't so much affected by that. It definitely came at an interesting time for the pandemic, though. We've been working, I think Seaside has been doing this because they started long before I joined the team uh, a few months ago, but they've been working on this experiment guide for at-home experiments for students to do with their parents or guardians or even by themselves. This was perfect for, obviously, kids couldn't go to school. Kids were not able to attend school and do hands-on experiments there themselves. They're missing a very key learning experience, I believe, because even someone like myself, who the, the hardcore science elements of the environmental movement are not my strength, if I'm being perfectly honest. I was really into experiments even as a kid. I like this kind of stuff. It's, and it's very helpful for students who have a difficult time, at least through verbal or written learning, understanding these complex topics. So the experiment guide features 13 different experiments. The marine science and education team wrote these experiments out. They wrote the steps to them. They wrote background knowledge that people might want to have about this. So there's 13 experiments and the topics they cover ranging from global warming uh, and the effects of that on sea level and coastal erosion to things like recycling your own paper and making recycled paper from that. Each experiment focuses on different environmental issues that students may have trouble grasping through verbal or written lessons. I really like this, this project for a lot of reasons. It also has an accompanying guide for parents or guardians who want to help their kids with this. We're pretty much in the process of editing it now and getting it finished and sending it over to marketing uh, so they can put this out and people can actually do these experiments at home and give these uh, kids a chance to do these different lessons. One of my favorites is the global warming balloon demonstration. This project is so interesting to me. It's basically just filling up two balloons, one with air and one with water, and you set a lighter underneath each, and then you watch how long it takes them to pop. The one with air will pop instantly, and the one with water will take longer because water has a higher heat capacity than air. The point of this is to show students how the oceans are heat absorbers. They absorb a lot of the incoming solar energy that Earth has, which is incredibly important in a warming environment that we have right now. So. It's a very simple experiment that shows a very important topic. It's something that kids from all ages can kind of understand. Obviously, you might need explanations from the parents for the very young kids, and you might not want to give kids a lighter. But I think it's a great example of what this experiment guide is meant to do and what we're and how it's so important, especially in a post-pandemic world where we realize students are not able to do this in school all the time. They might not have the resources in school to do it. And these are simple things you can do around your house. These are simple things that anyone can do. Parents don't have to have a degree in environmental science to be able to teach their kids this. Like I said, this one has not been really affected by the pandemic and was even inspired by the pandemic to be made. I think that's, you know, really interesting knowing that 
so many kids at a younger age are just so hands-on and at least for myself really at any age kind of need to be able to observe things in order to really learn them and it's so much more different than just reading it from a textbook i think it's absolutely right i've had that experience where i i've taken a physics course this year and obviously we can go to school and do any experiments and there were these really great online simulators but it's nothing like seeing what's happening in person that experience is like you said it doesn't have to be the biggest experiment in the world but just having that in front of you, being able to tinker with it is, is so helpful. And that movement to start bring that into the household more and more. What MSNE is doing with that is, is tremendously important. I think it's really cool because that is also a project that doesn't matter where you are. You can benefit from that. But talking more about where Seaside is based in the Cape Ann North Shore area, do you guys tend to focus on any projects or have anything in the works that is that is more local? Yeah, certainly. In the pre-COVID era, MSNE did a lot of hands-on work in our local Cape Ann community. Of course, because of the pandemic, that had to stop, but we are really looking forward to taking that back up again. One of our upcoming projects that we're actually looking at to roll out locally is a scavenger hunt idea. What we're thinking is we want to help people get back in touch with their natural world that's around them as we reemerge from our houses and caves and wherever we've holed up for the past year and a half. So what we're gonna do is we are working on collecting information about native and invasive species in the Cape Ann area. So plants, animals, fungi, you name it, we're finding information on it right now. We're going to be compiling that information into a reference guide that we can then use here at Seaside or distribute to our local community. But what I'm personally most excited about is we're also gonna be using that information to create a scavenger hunt for children or anyone who wants to take it. We're going to create a map of the area and some general information about the species. We're asking people to find images of what they look like. And then we're gonna ask people to go around and find some local native and invasive species and see what they look like. What we're hoping to do with this project is just reestablish our MSNE roots here in the Cape Ann area because at the end of the day, we can do all sorts of virtual work that we want, but we are a local nonprofit and interacting with our community is incredibly important. Yeah, that's so true. I really like the cave thing you brought up, but I think it, it hits a little too close to the cave, if you will. <laughs> it was really interesting to talk to you, Catherine and Maria, and learn about the incredible projects that you guys are carrying out and that you plan to carry out in the future and really inspiring to, you know, See your progress to working towards education without having any prior knowledge just being able to go in and learn what you want free of any restrictions thank you guys so much for coming on here and joining us for this podcast episode it was such a joy to learn more about the msne team and hear you guys talk about how passionate you are about what you do and just all the current projects and the scavenger hunt that's coming up. What you guys are doing is so impactful and important. Although it's sad to say, this is going to be our last episode of the first season. We want to again say thank you to all of our amazing guests for coming on this podcast. We'll be back for a season two, so stay tuned for even more incredible conversations with some fantastic guests about all the progress being made in environmentalism.